Welcome to the Room of Lives. I'm your host, Neil. In this part of my conversation with artist and writer, Maria Monalisa Gharavi, I bring up that her art frequently comments on politics, economy, and technology, all heavily male-dominated areas. Is the current state and movement in these areas influenced by a runaway male ego? I sort of noticed that um, a lot of your art, it feels like a commentary on the areas of like technology, war, industry, politics. And what I was thinking about, these are all very male-dominated fields, like highly male-dominated fields. And... Do you feel like the energy that's contained in these fields and the things that are happening in industry, technology, politics, the whole whole thing has to do with it being so male-dominated? Or is that just a coincidental thing? I'm, th- I'm feeling like I want to ask you, what do you think oh, <laughs> while I, I chew on it? I totally <laughs> think that it has to do with it being like, so male dominated I think we keep revisiting a certain dichotomy. We have named it in different ways before. We have called it okay, let's say Freudian versus Jungian. Western versus Eastern. Self versus I don't know, Eastern cultures, there's more of a um a, a concern for like community rather than yourself. Like ego versus like not ego, matter versus spirit. And I think the okay, so I don't no, I think maybe I sent you a video where Terence McKenna was talking about how the male ego has run amok and, and, and it needs needs to be fucking like reeled back in. It's like the world is like getting disbalanced too much to one side. And I was thinking about this a little bit that I think it's all kind of connected and analogous. I feel like we live in a society where science and technology is getting too much. And so all of our capacities, we're, we are capable of a lot of different things as humans and thinking is one of them, but thinking is dominating, like the analytical thinking and trying to figure out solutions in the material world and believing that the material world is everything. So material technologies, material solutions, material problem, here's material solution, new material problem, two material solutions. Um, I think these are all kind of interrelated. And like the male ego is also something to do with that. Not entirely clear, but I feel like a lot of the a lot of the issues that are happening, particularly with how like technology is just going. It doesn't like think about some broader spiritual consequences. And they're like, we can make this and it will sell. Let's make it, you know? Um mm-hmm. There's something kind of like rash and something kind of egoistic, something a little bit. Yeah, I feel like the picture would be different if it wasn't so many like young guys, you know. We, and I think we're going through such a trembling, fearful, paranoid era of maybe a waning influence of 
what we we might call you know a male era mm-hmm. a male epic and i think that transition is maybe being played out in very difficult chaotic fearful ways right now mm-hmm. you know there's a there's a feeling i get when i wake up that there's a gender cold war and some might say it's not even that cold mm. i think your question about era about um these themes makes mm. uh yeah i mean <laughs> the short answer is yes um i don't know that i've necessarily thought of it that explicitly but more and more i am that uh i'm i'm writing a book actually right now on extractive economies and mm-hmm. the way that i entered that project is through petroleum mm-hmm. through fossil fuels um or any like fossil fuels for sure and there's a finit- finitude of fossil fuels we know they're going to end mm. you know but also things like mining resources and where who who gets to have them who who benefits from them who has the right to extract them and analogous to that is the world of data which is mm-hmm. seemingly infinite which is like you know data and metadata just the two of us talking there's going to be you know a metadata of all of the information about the file in which you save this yeah. and then the way your audio takes off into this the stratospheric internet and so on so seemingly it's infinite and mm. uh, i also want to i think if i do my work correctly which is you know to check your presumptions at the door Uh, I want to also challenge those those ideas about finitude and infinity. Mm-hmm. But the other extractive resource that I've been adding as a chapter uh is women. Women as an extractive resource. Um currently the book is divided into chapters with Ds uh and I'm giving a lecture in Amsterdam about this in October on dirt death I'm sorry, let me rephrase it. Dirt, debt, death and data and I re- realized that the book really needs to have a fifth chapter and that's desire. And under the realm or the umbrella of desire how women have been historically uh as a class of people. There's no holocaust to mark this. There's no uh you know memorial for the witches at the stake. uh the female infanticide in so many cultures including and up to the 21st century um the widespread degradation and humiliation of american women with the latest scotus ruling uh this idea in the tech bro circles that all we really need is to just have a technocratic womb society like as seen in the film the matrix where you can just disembody the womb and that way we'll you know and it, of course how that sentence ends is never really completed and then what so we'll have you know wage slaves for capitalism like what mm. are we really talking about It's here like a brave new world yeah and it makes me ask the question of what you really want is a female biological function without the female what you yeah. really want is to talk about the life of a fetus without talking about the pregnant woman person carrying that fetus what mm. you really want is to disembody an embodied person which to me is the beginning of i mean that's the that's the that's the end result of commodification mm. degradation etc 
Um, it's also about taking over control. It's like now we do this. We manufacture this. Well, it's interesting this. you say you that in the context. Yeah. In the context of Jung, and I don't want to say mm-hmm. like you know Jung is this genius and came up with all of this, but in that universe of ideas, mm-hmm. one of the things I've encountered is that there is an or fear in the male that no matter what he can make or what he can do, he cannot make a baby. Mm. And that fear or that dread of not make being able to create, to being able to give life in that way is a driving force for, you know, fill in the blanks. One mm. book that I would say has really shifted my own understanding of this and not in a magical thinking way, but with, you know, peer-reviewed sources and historical example is Adrian Rich's book of Woman Born, Motherhood as Experience and Institution. I could not recommend it highly enough. Mm. Adrian Rich is a is an American poet who had three boys. She she had three children, I think in her twenties. Her husband was an academic. Her career and her ideas and her artistry were always secondary to his academic career and um she really writes about this from a very kind of academic dispassionate point of view sometimes weaving in her own experience but ultimately this idea of motherhood affects everyone whether or not they have a child whether or not they have a womb and you know i wish i could sort of be a proponent of this book in an even bigger way but i really recommend it and this idea of a male epic or a male era, as you've laid it out with um, the Industrial Revolution, uh, which presumably was meant to make our lives easier, right? Mm-hmm. I know I really, my dishwasher is currently broken and I'm waiting for the technician to get its parts. I'm washing every dish by hand and, you know, that has its own kind of psychic landscape where I can dream, I can think, I can, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But it's also really annoying and irritating and i just want the the effect of the industrial revolution back so that i can have a working dishwasher right so i'm saying all of this as i i you know this is not a a sum total statement but with the rising of the industrial revolution um and by the way rich is one of the few authors i've seen talk about the role of women in work outside of this halcyon idea we have that you know the men did the work and the women raised the babies. And she completely dismantles this idea using historiography to say that actually isn't true. Um, not even just for working class women, that women have been a profoundly important part of, of working life, um, both in terms of reproductive and productive labor. But from that onward to these the rise of of mass extractive economies not un, not limited to but including fossil fuels in the 20th century with the founding of of oil reserves and and then you brought in you know the tech tech industry um and i think the tech industry is uh a very similar kind of industry to oil in the sense of uh well data scraping mm-hmm. i'm currently creating a work um, with another artist, it's a it's a two person series of works I'm creating with the artist Sam Levine, who's ex- expounding on this idea of scrapism, or HTML as essentially being a scrapist technology that just 
like a vacuum sucks data and metadata and the work that we're making together on oil and uh, oil bodies, um, oil dead oil wells, um, oil and gas products uh, and information is often using this tool of scraping. We're using web scraping to get it. But anyway, to 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 go back to the 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 macro topic that you introduced, um, what do I think about it? I mean, I think all of us in many ways are inculcated into that masculinist ethos, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. you know you you delineated a lot of them. I think we're open to more feminine ethos of living, mm-hmm. and and I don't want to kind of. I don't know that I feel qualified necessarily to delineate what that would be, but, you know, the idea of say, you know, we're not just physical thinking beings that we are not divorced Mm -hmm. from an emotional self. We are not mental. uh, We're not brains in a vat to, to sort of bring Cartesian thinking into it um, that we're much more than that. Um, Maybe history is going to write itself. I certainly hope so. But I also think that, this period that we're in, which feels like a deeply women-hating period. Mm. Um, I know I feel it. I know that the people, especially the women in my life, certainly feel it. Um, is a hard one. It's a. Re- it's been a really difficult transition to sort of see and understand and intuit what a lot of men uh, think about mm-hmm. women. And to come to terms with that and what that means about their own fears of the feminine consciousness within them. Um, it's been eye-opening and quite depressing, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, one related question I had was that um, being like a kind of critical, challenging artist um whose work like critiques a lot of these kind of like male dominated power structures, but they're power structures anyway, but they happen to be like pretty male dominated. Do you ever get like pushback? Like, Hey, you're not supposed to, you know, you go over there and do your thing over there. Well, a lot of these industries that are male dominated are also inhabited by women too, right? I'm mm-hmm. thinking of all of the uns I think this has been a a reformist part of the culture now is to talk about the women who help build tech and things mm-hmm. like that and how what a disservice has been done to their contribution. I personally don't think about that too often, but you know, I I can imagine and know that to be true. Mm-hmm. Um so I just want to say that. Do I get pushback? Well, I think one of the things that I'm very deliberate about is trying to challenge a West as the centered subjectivity of our time. That mm. that also, I, I was mostly raised in, what is the West, right? If you go to Syria, are you no longer in the West? I mean, that idea alone is laughable, but mm-hmm. but I do think that there is a an Anglo-European lineage of thought that has been coterminous with colonialism, neo-colonialism, which is its own brand of scandal. And I know the country of my birth has definitely been affected by that. Our even our ideas of what it is to be human has been infected by that, mm-hmm. by neo-colonialist tendencies. Um, 
So I do feel very explicit in this that I want to decenter that um, one lineage that I'm excited by is an Afro-diasporic one, where I think the question is being implicitly asked, why not center a Black universal? Mm. And my response would be, yeah, why not? I don't have a problem with with that. What is the problem with that? Because when you do that, you realize that actually you were leaning on a different kind of universal that was not subjected to any kind of critique. Mm. Um, so while I don't have something to kind of fill that center or role, mm -hmm. I do want to be in a position if I can be, especially as someone who's been alive for the analog versus the digital, right. Yeah. Or the entrance into that, or let's say a masculinist ethos into a more, possibly centered one or a highly commodifiable culture. Well, I still think it's extremely consumerist and commodifiable, but as someone who's been at the precipice of that, I think maybe I can use that vantage point to be explicit that we should always be questioning a central or dominant narrative, whether you know, including some that are very uncomfortable in our personal lives. Um, I, I do remember growing up, my dad saying this to me, this was one of his parenting moments that I remember with a kind of halo around it. Mm -hmm. When we'd first immigrated to the United States, he said, you know, you have the chance to choose what you want to adopt. In other words, if there's something about our culture, if there's some kind of practice that you're not into, you don't have to adopt it. If there's something about American culture that, quote, American, I mean, I'm going to put scare quotes around that, but the culture that we moved into, you can borrow. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that seems really obvious now, but I think to a seven or eight year old, it was, I felt very responsible around that idea that, oh, by having this mentality as an immigrant, as a traveler, as someone who is an outsider to this culture, that I can see it maybe more explicitly. My mm -hmm. eyes have not been so acculturated to it. You know, when you travel and just things, grocery stores, everything suddenly becomes unfamiliar to you. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason that's so powerful. It's powerful because back home, things have become very monotonous, routine and familiar to you. And I don't know that you necessarily need to travel. Kafka never left Prague, mm. from my understanding. He never traveled to America. He wrote a, a novel called America. Um, but I do think that that has afforded me... Um, <laughs> in therapy, I am untangling all of the trauma it's created, but it's also afforded me a lot of benefit and a mm. lot of um, triumphant um, feelings around being able to kind of see through that and see through these centralizing narratives that I don't believe belong there. Thanks for joining Mona Lisa and me today in the Room of Lives. In the next and final part, I ask her about the role of religion and spirituality in her life. Mm -hmm.